0: i've been brad's gp for 30 years earlier this year he came with in with an, a jaw pain which i think even though he connects them is probably not relevant um i think it was an, a jaw strain he saw me in september with a four weeks of a sore throat um, it looked red so we gave him some antibiotics A month later, it was still sore, but not red. But he had a lot of uh, sort of allergies and asthma and a post-nasal drip. So the next step was, in terms of likelihood, there was nothing to see really um, except for swollen nose and um, to trial anti-post-nasal drip treatment. So we did that for four weeks. And then the next time I saw him a month later all that was fixed but his throat was still sore and it had changed there was some really localized tenderness on one side and it was just alarm bells started ringing and I said Brad you just need to see an ENT specialist and he wasn't keen he he said I just can't you give me some antibiotics and I said no this is this is weird you need to see someone and luckily he got Um, We got to see um, the ENT, I think, within a few days. He looked down, saw the swelling, said, it didn't look too bad, but we'll wait for the biopsy. And then uh, I think you know the rest of the history from there. Being a GP, being somebody who has had a
1: relationship with Brad for 30 years, in many ways I guess you've kind of grown up together, haven't you? So to deliver that sort of news, Wendy...
0: Well, I suppose I wasn't the one initially to deliver the news. It was the ear, nose and throat specialist. But the really hard bit has been then after that, when he came back and we were talking about options. Um, Apart from the fact that you do get very fond of people... Over that period of time, you um, you feel you go back through your head over everything that happened and worry whether you could have done anything sooner. Um, and I guess that... Uh, I, I don't think I could have, but I must admit I was... I was distressed about that and I had a long talk with my daughter actually who's a, a doctor and I think the Tuesday night and I said, Oh look I just this is just upsetting me and I just you know, maybe that the first time, that first sore throat I should have done anyway, I went through it all and she said, Mum, you know, everything's fine, you did everything right, but you just feel that um just I guess it's a duty of care, you know, and So there's two levels, I suppose. There's the personal just feeling of distress because of what someone you know has gone through for a long time and then a sense of responsibility that you are doing your job properly. Mm. (laughs) Does that make sense? Mm.
1: I suspect, sadly... The majority of us these days, Wendy, don't have that sort of lifelong relationship with our GPs. The family GP seems to be disappearing. We may still go to the same practice, mm. but there may be a different GP in there that you see. You know, maybe there are three or four and you rotate through all of them and you don't have one person who provides your health care and your advice and so on for you. Mm. And I think sometimes it's it is perhaps in those sorts of cases easier for people to fall through the cracks mm, a little bit. Mm. I can only imagine that your sense of responsibility from here with somebody that you know so very, very well must be quite different. What do you see your role as now?
0: I guess a number of role, a number of ways. Apart from being as supportive as I can, I suppose it's just helping Brad through the medical quagmire of opinions, I suppose, because each of the specialists has their own different slant on things. Um, I'm not criticising specialists at all, but um, it's easy to say to someone, ''Look, I can't make the decision for you.'' that's not really terribly helpful for them. Uh, And I guess just to be able to sit down and talk with someone that you know well so that you do know what their background and family is like and what their decision-making process is a bit like, and you can weigh up some of the medical evidence, I guess, and just helping them through that decision-making process, I think, um, that's really important, I think. Brad has said that
1: one of the most well the two most difficult so things for him so far are upsetting and worrying people that he knows and that he loves yeah. that's his number one fear mm-hmm. the thing that he has found hardest after that is being presented with two treatment options yeah. and to be told choose one yeah we're not qualified to make no. those sorts of decisions that that is brutal
0: uh-huh. Oh, I agree. And I I suppose that was where I hope it was useful for him to chat with me about it and for me to go away and think about it. And, in fact, we had a lot of phone calls and messages where I would change my mind too. And I remember one particular night we had a talk about it and we decided that this was the best way. And then I was walking home and I thought... Oh no! We should ask the surgeon one more thing. And So I rang him and said, "Look, Brad, call him again and just say this." And in fact, it did change what was the final decision. So I think I, I think it is important to have someone in medical that can just you can run all those things by because it is too hard. I mean, I, it's it's terribly hard. Mm. We need a translator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, yeah.
1: What about information for yourself? Because it is probably much easier. We are always told as patients, ask questions, mm. seek second opinions, third opinions mm. if mm. necessary, mm. be proactive in your own health care. Mm. But it can be very difficult That's for so. patients to do that yeah. because oh, you're a GP, you're busy, the specialists are busy, everybody is is busy even trying to get hold of someone Mm. to ask questions, Mm. let alone even knowing what those questions are to ask.
0: And again, that's where I hope it's been helpful because you can maybe tailor the questions, for example, with the radiotherapy. There are some things you mightn't think of, well, you wouldn't think of as... If you're a patient, in terms of, well, that's, you know, the radiotherapist says, well, it doesn't make a difference. Well, it really does because if you're talking about half the dose of radiotherapy to a localized area and you're going to live with those side effects for 10 years, the radiotherapists don't think about that, you know, and that's really helpful to discuss with. You know, one of the things, anyway, we've been talking about post-surgery is how important that bit is. Whereas you wouldn't really know to ask that, I don't think, as a patient, you know. And that becomes
1: incredibly tricky to navigate, I guess, because what you're weighing up then is perhaps as simple as long-term survival Mm -hmm. versus quality of life. Mm -hmm. None of us are going to live forever.
0: Mm -hmm. We probably think we do. Mm -hmm but wow, what a decision to have to make. But absolutely, and sometimes you don't know, and it's always a collaborative thing. I suppose just knowing the person, you have a little bit m- more invested in helping them through that mm-hmm. rather than, well, these are the figures, go away and think about it. You can tease out some of the pros and cons a little bit, and it doesn't always give you an absolute answer but if you can maybe go into the specifics a little bit more i think it just helps the decision making do you think this is one of the great challenges that we have now that
1: loss of that long-term relationship with family doctors because obviously you're hurting you feel very much the experience that Brad is having to go through as opposed to someone that you might have seen once or twice. You're always going to care about people's health outcomes. Mm. But not that I call you a mind reader, but as you were saying, knowing someone for that long means that you kind of know what his sensibilities are going to be. Mm,
0: absolutely. I think it's probably one of the times that it's really important to have a, a long-standing GP. Both just to have someone that you trust to just help you make those decisions and I think the trust is a really big thing and I won't know as much as the specialists, I can never know that, but I can um, add the dimension I guess of knowing what's important and looking it up if I don't know. Um, Oh God! Oh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and also maybe having easier access to the specialists. I know one of the frustrations that patients have is when there's something serious like happening, you know, they leave messages and they don't get back. And I suppose we do have a slightly quicker access, so we can ring them in theatre, and though so they will ring us back, and again, that's they've all we've all got time pressures, but. When you feel very much like the person's advocate, you really do push, uh, you just push very hard to get that information and to get the appointments and to get the knowledge, you know. And they do as much as they can, but they're not there with the person and their distress, you know. And if we can just speed that up sometimes, uh, it, I hope it helps, you know. The specialists will be dealing with 50 people,
1: yeah. like Brad but for Brad and his family, he's the only one. Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah.